Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. morning. It's Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. It's January the 11th, 2023. And as usual, I'm pretty disjointed. I'm not the host that always has his notes perfectly quaffed and ready to go. I think you already know that. So, Today may be one of those days because I'm, I'm going through some things uh, that just really kind of make you question stuff. And you're all, you know, as, as humans, we do that a lot anyway. We see our, our nation in a turmoil and we question that. We see, uh, Everything, really, when it comes to that. I mean, politics and everything. Then you, then you turn your eyes towards some place or some, something, in, an institution, so, so to speak, that we can go and find solace in, that we can find a, uh, it's a, a, a high tower, a safe place, you know. And we, we seem to make the institution the thing that we focus on. It is the Lord and King of that institution that we need to be focused on. People will always let us down, and me included. I'm not special. I'm not of any great ilk. And, uh, you know... The seas get rough sometimes. I usually don't like to use big stories and huge analogies, but I'll use one. You know, we hear often people say, well, this marriage is on the rocks, you know, it's, it's done. Or this institution is just, you know, waffling along and it's, it can't last. And I'm talking about banks and, and stores and businesses and such as that. And a lot of that is, you know, it's not always their own fault. You know, there's a lot of things in government that mess things up as well. And we can look at the nation and say the same thing. 
it's it's heading for disaster if the disaster isn't already here. And all we can do is pray. As Christians, it's all we can do is pray. God listens to prayer. Uh, never let someone else tell you that fervent, continual prayer does not work because it does. There's a uh, a line in in Scripture, uh, and I, I believe it is the woman. I've been using this a lot lately. Luke chapter one, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter eighteen. And, and Jesus talks about the, the widow who goes to the unrighteous judge and keeps hitting on him to, to fix her problem with her adversary. And uh, because of her importunity, he finally caves in. That just simply means you keep going back and going back and go, Lord, uh, you know, help me to understand how your will is working in the situation that I find so untenable help me to understand your will that's that's what you that's how we should pray and i'm not telling you how to pray i'm telling you how i need to pray you know now to my analogy uh there's a ship and it's been in a, it's been rocked by a storm and uh it's it's kind of blown a bit off course and the main thing that, that and this is this isn't uh, the ships of today. We're talking about the old sailing ships. What you would do in a storm, you had to just drop the sails. Drop the sails. Because if you didn't, they'd get ripped to shreds, and now you're out there floating around with nothing to help you get where you need to go. So they drop the sails. And... They're just drifting now. The storm stops. It's gone from one extreme to the other. Now all they have is the current to take them and no wind. I hope I'm telling this truth the truthful way, uh, but we'll go on. This, is, and it, this, this does have the smacking of truth. This actually happened. So anyway. No wind. There's no use in raising the sails at this point. We're just going to drift. But the problem is now we're drifting towards the reef. And a reef with a wooden ship is not a good idea. It'll rip it to shreds. And you got a long swim ahead of you if you even survive that. So what do they do? They leave the sails down. Because there's no wind, there's no use in doing all that work. There's four men on board, and they all made a pact with each other and said, we should go to our separate cabins, and we will spend time in prayer. And we will pray for the wind to return so that we aren't run up onto the rocks, the reef and then lost at sea. So that's what they did. And one of them uh, was, I believe he's the captain, and they went down and they prayed. They prayed fervently for at least an hour. Now, that doesn't seem like much, does it? Oh, well, how, when's the last time you spent an hour in prayer? You know, most people, it's, you know, 10 minutes, 15, you fall asleep. But when there is something De, you know, in your life that is, is going to cause grievous harm to you, trust me, you will learn to pray and pray fervently and hard for as long as it takes. At the, at the, at the culmination of the hour, they, they, the one guy went back upstairs and he, he told the, uh, uh, one of the mates, you know, the first mate probably, raise the sails. Raise the main sail. And he said, no, that it's, and this guy was a non-believer. He said, trust me, raise the sail. And he, he, he balked at it. He said, look, there's no wind. There's no use in, in doing it. We're not going to gain anything. You know, we may cause more d- damage to the ship. 
finally convinced him to do it. He says, look at the, the little sail up there is still flapping. He says, yeah, that's just a little, they called it a cat's paw. That's terminology, I guess. And I don't know much about sailing folks, but it's a terminology of, you know, just a little bit of wind, like a cat whacking at a string kind of a thing. So he finally convinced him to put the sail up. He says, there will be a breeze for the Lord has assured me of it. So they finally convinced him, okay, I'll shut this guy up. So he puts up the sails. Of course, a a breeze of enough magnitude came, caught the sails and blew them to they could, you know, steer away from the reef and they were saved purpose of that is there is power in prayer we all know it those of us who have been into the battlefield of life and instead of turning to ourselves to fix it we've turned to prayer because that's where god listens to us now there are times he's going to do things outside of it maybe he knows what you need now i've had charismatics i'm a, i'm a pentecostal i'm not a charismatic i believe in the power that god has i believe that his power can be manifested in many different ways by many different means i believe in the power in prayer i believe that when you set your sights on it it works now, here's the thing. Learn to pray. They always say, pray for the will of God or pray in the will of God. Jesus knew exactly how to pray in the will of God. Many times we don't. So in our many prayings, we may have to start adding in or we should teach me your will. Let me know if it's your will, Lord. And he'll let you know. One way or another, it, it comes to you. Now, we're, we're, we're uh, microwave human beings. You know, we have quick food, fast food, uh, quick this, quick that, quick, quick crete for your concrete, all these things that the, the word quick is on it or fast or, you know, uh, it'll happen now. Instant. There's another good, I forgot that one. Instant, you know, instant soup, instant tea, instant, whatever. You know, there's no time taken anymore with things. It's just quick. As the old, what's his name? Larry the Cable Guy, his famous line, get her done. We want it now. And it doesn't always work that way with God. He's very patient, and he wants us to show patience as well. Sometimes we pray for a thing, and it doesn't come out the way we thought it should we may be praying for a loved one to be restored to health and they pass in a way we have to look at that and say he or she was if they're a believer restored to full health now they're not with us we can't see them anymore except in pictures and videos of these days that we can take. But we can't, you know, touch them, talk to them. But we know that they are fully restored. They've been taken from this deadly, sickly life that we live to a place where there is no more tears, death, and sickness. That's a hard pill to take, though, when you're in it. But learning to understand that, you know, that's God's will. And he has answered the prayer. Maybe not the exact way that we wanted, but he did. Maybe we're praying for another thing. Who knows what it could be, you know, uh, praying for the nation to turn around. Don't give up. It may you know, it might not. And in that, 
Sometimes God's will works in another way. Perhaps the fact that things just continually to get more and more, what's the right word here, uh, sinister. They get more and more deceptive and deceitful and disturbing. It turns more people away from it finally and turns them towards God. Revivals don't usually come in places where there's not persecution or tribulation, if you want to use that word. I have no problem using that word. I believe that we will see those kinds of things. Tribulation, persecution. Jesus said, you know, you're going to be persecuted. If they hated me, think of what they're going to do with you. And we have, to, we have to accept it. It's not easy. We weren't called to be comfortable. We weren't called to have a padded pew all the time. Now, I'm not against that. I think we should have as I get older. But I'm going to tell you something. We take the comfort to a different level. We have lots of things. It's like we, we're talking about fast food, quick food, quick creep, whatever. We've also got comfort food, you know, biscuits and gravy, you know, roast beef and mashed potatoes or whatever, you know, that home cooking. I, I like to equate things to food. It, I think it's something that we can all understand. But then there's also things that we have to realize we're not always going to be comfortable. We're not always going to be well. We're not always going to not be sick. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place, and I mean a place physically and a place spiritually or even mentally, because I think there's a difference between spiritual and mental. We find ourselves in these, this series of places, as we'll put it, that are uncomfortable. We, we don't feel at home, as we say, anymore. It could be a person. It could be the Holy Spirit himself. It just could be the atmosphere around us that creates this discomfort. You know, and it could be, you know, any, it could be any place. You know, it could be the, your favorite store or, you know, uh, your favorite restaurant. That's, that will stay with food. Your favorite restaurant you go to and, you know, you have mom and pop been running it forever and they get older and they, maybe they pass away or they're, they're ailing and, and failing. So they can't do the work anymore, and they turn it over to their children, whom we would imagine would be good at this. They've watched mom and dad do it for decades. But it doesn't work that way. They aren't really as dedicated to the cause. They're not as dedicated to the uh, right spices always going into the meatloaf or the fried chicken. They, they just want to get through the day. You know, we'll do it like mom did it, but we're not going to do it just like she did it because she took too much time. The noodles aren't quite as al dente as you think they should be in the spaghetti. The sauce is a little bit off. And it goes downhill. People quit coming to eat here. They don't feel, and the prices, maybe the prices went up. Or, you know, they leveled off, whatever. But usually they're going to go up. These days, everything's going up. So that comfort, that place that 
that the community gathered in, you know, and, and everybody knew everybody, you know, because we all were there on, you know, Tuesdays, our night at mom and pops. Wednesdays, our night, you know, that, you know, or, or, or just as a whole, you know, these are usually small towns. These people have been there for all their lives. They've cooked this food and now it just doesn't, it doesn't taste the same. The atmosphere doesn't seem the same. You know, mom doesn't come out and pop doesn't come out to ask you how you're doing and how's your kids and hey, how do you, are, are your cows given the right amount of milk this year? You know, what's corn cost? You know, that kind of thing. Can I get a side of beef? And, you know, that happens all the time anymore. It just doesn't feel right anymore. Somebody messes it up for everybody. It doesn't take a cabal of individuals. Or sorry, let's rephrase that. It doesn't take an ind- a cabal of, of people, a big group of people, a, uh, uh, it just takes a few. It just takes a few and you can just see it. You know, when you used to go there and, and you, you know, you had to wait in line for a little bit maybe, but you waited because it was so much well worth the time to get in. And you knew that when you sat down, they were they weren't going to rush you to to eat your food. They, you know, the people out there will wait. They'd make their accommodations as much as they could for everybody that was waiting. Even they they go through the line and say, "Just a few more minutes. We're almost there, folks. Don't 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 lose heart." And you know, there's always people who are going to be impatient. They're not going to stick around. But it's about making them feel wanted, making them feel comfortable in the in the decision that they made to come to this eatery. That they knew no matter what, when they came through that door, the cook was the same guy that's been there forever, and he was going to put a plate full of food in front of you that was going to taste just like it did the last time I was here. And I came there because the last time it was awesome. Now the kids are in there. And they've maybe hired a cousin or their best friend from high school, and he didn't even know what what end of the stove to stand at. So the food has gone downhill. The service is horrible. People blow off with attitude instead of comfortable words they give you attitude they give you snarky comments they make you feel like it's all your fault that this food doesn't taste right the customer's not right in this position the customer's just not he's been relegated to a problem. You ever feel like that when you go to a place? You ever feel like, why am I here? What am I doing in this place? Why do I keep coming back when it seems like no matter what I try to do for this institution, all I get is another boot to the mouth. Because the people that took it over aren't the kindly grandfather and grandfatherly type that were there before. People get comfortable with a lot of things. And we were talking about prayer at the beginning. I don't know where I went, but that's what happens on a Wednesday when I'm just doodling to myself in my own brain. I I saw some folks 
on the social media site that I don't spend a lot of time on talking about um, the football players. Now, for those that don't know football, and I don't know much about it either, but there was a, there was a young man, I think he's at 24, 25, stand, you know, did a tackle, stood up, clapped his hands, and fell flat on his back, dead. Now, they brought him back. Nine minutes, I think it was, of uh, CPR to bring him back. Nine minutes. Then they put to put him in the ambulance, took him to the hospital. He was in critical. I think he's, he may still be. What was his name? Demar or something. Uh, plays for the Buffalo Bills. They were playing in Cincinnati, and I believe they have transported him back home to, to Buffalo. But, you know, he just went over, and it, it was a big, you know, and nobody wants to see that happen. I'm not even going to speculate about the problems that, Certain things may have caused in that. I have my opinions, and I'll, at this point, keep them to myself. But I think if you've listened to me over the years, you know what I'm jabbing at. But, you know, regardless of the reason for why it happened, it's a sad thing to see happen. A young man who's in the peak physical condition just drops over. I mean, I mean, when you see it, it's actually quite shocking. With no explanation at this point why it happened. But regardless, you know, the ones that they came up with were stupid. But, you know, a week or so later, here we are, and they go out for their games, the football players across the league, I guess, and they show them now before the game kneeling down and praying. These are people who, for a long time, split this country by race, split this country by their uh, protocols that they came up with on their own. These are people who did division and basically helped with destruction, destruction of the, the country, cities, you know, because they didn't come out and say, don't burn it. No, they didn't. And if they did, there was very few. What did they do? They knelt down when our national anthem was played. Or they refused to put their hand on their heart or whatever. Because they're, they're going to make a stand by kneeling. Now, I'll give them credit for doing what they're doing now. I can't, as a Christian man, I can't look at it and say, oh, now. That, that's pretty much my attitude. You know, you could have prayed when our country was being ripped to shreds in 2020. You could have make a, you could have made a public visualization. That's why I won't watch football. I actually don't watch sports at all. I'll flip it on here and there. I like hockey every now and then, but I can't watch a whole game. It just it does does nothing for me anymore. Baseball give me a break. Uh, you know, I'm not taking anything away from you. I'm not saying, oh, if you do it, you're wrong. But I want you to understand something. As a friend of mine said, and I totally agree with him these sports leagues the people behind them are sinister it's all about money and lots of it i don't know if they still are but up until a few years ago at least and i didn't know this until my friend told me this they're all non-profit organizations raking in billions of dollars but they found a way around tax loopholes and became nonprofits. How does that happen? Have you tried to buy a football ticket lately? I haven't. I, I imagine they're probably 50 bucks a pop to sit clear up at the top. I don't know. Or basketball, baseball, whatever. I mean, they're probably cheaper. 
but they get to get you to the stadium. They charge you to park. They charge you for this, charge you for that. You want to buy a hot dog, it's eight bucks. A hot dog does never cost eight dollars. Buy two packs of hot dogs for that much. You used to be able to buy a whole lot more than that, but inflation's hit everywhere. <clears throat> There's a lot that's evil about these things. You know, the 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 way they will promote homosexuality, the way they promote the BLM movement and all the other anti-American movements because it's, it's the new suit of clothes for the day. It's the thing that makes them, they'll put that flag of whatever out there in front and they'll donate hundreds of thousands and if not millions of dollars to these organizations that do nothing but cause problems in our nation and drag us down. Oh, I'm supposed to be giving you words of comfort. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith God, saith your God. Speak ye comfortable words to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So I, I want to bring you comfortable words. I want to, and you know what? Truth is never all that comfortable trying to keep people from being removed from confusion and and bring you the straight skinny, as we say, is hardly ever comfortable. It It has a very real impact because we get comfortable in our sin and forget the greatness of our God. Well, love the sinner, hate the sin. Let me tell you something. It still gets you put in hell if you're not repented, repentant, and asking for the good Lord to forgive you and write your name in his book. When John Baptist, or as I like to say, John the Baptizer, came, he said, and Isaiah, Isaiah actually, you know, was the man who prophesied. Because it says in Luke 3, verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, or I say Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight, Every valley shall be filled, every mountain hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John the Baptist, or baptizer, came with a singular message, and that was to repent, to turn away from the ways you're going, to turn away from the sins that you find so easily to keep doing. Make way for the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not even in the spirit of him. But there are many of us who are, collectively, who are not afraid to tell people the truth as it is written in the Scriptures. John did not come and do what the Baptists like to say. He, uh, they, they call their baptism believer's baptism. So you have to be a believer first, and then you can be baptized. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that's not a bad idea. That's actually, that's an actually great idea. Get people to the cross and then bury them in baptism so they can be raised again. 
but don't take it so lightly either. That's just getting them wet because it should be more than that. There should be a spiritual change within them through the conversion or the salvation. And then the picture of death and resurrection that we see in baptism and then go about the work that God has displayed for us all to do, win souls. But John didn't do believer's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. You can find that in Matthew, and you can find that in Luke. A baptism unto repentance. It was all about people repenting, of their ways, their sins, their deeds, and their deeds and dues. He wanted them to turn away from the life that they were living because the, the kingdom of God was at hand. And as he baptized folks, the, the king came. His name is Jesus. He baptized him as well. Even though he didn't think he was worthy to do so, he did because Jesus said, Yes, you should. He wanted people to know that this is something that we all should get into, is get into the water at least once, be dunked and raised again. But it becomes such a, uh, you know, the, the, the big church used it for sacrament and the little churches tried to veer away from sacramental baptism and all that. But, you know, I'm not here to talk about that either. It's mainly don't get so comfortable. Don't get too comfortable where you're at. You know, I think in a, in a church setting, we should all feel a certain amount of comfort one with each other. But once you get to a certain point, in that comfortable phase. I honestly believe God will shake you up a little bit. God will grab you and give you a little nudge. The Holy Spirit will make real to you that you're just a little too comfortable here. Now, does he want you to move on? I don't know. I know personally there's many times I feel in certain circumstances it's time for me to change restaurants because this one just doesn't taste as good anymore. This one, the service is just a little bit too snarky for me. I think it's time to move on. When I go for a meal, it should be a smooth situation. When I go for a spiritual meal in a church, it probably shouldn't be. That doesn't mean take every message that you hear personally. It doesn't mean that everything is a shot directly across your bow. Now, I know guys that do that, and I'm, I'm fully against it. We should not pick one person out of a crowd and use them for our uh, dartboard. I think it's more of a shotgun approach is probably better. Give everybody something to think about. Give everybody a challenge to their spiritual walk. Open the door and just let it happen. There's no reason we can't. And still not rupture anybody's fragile ego. That's always the that's always the fear that especially these guys that run huge churches anymore. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, so don't try to put a name in my mouth. But there's some biggins out there, and they, 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 they are big because they've kind of slacked off from really getting too deep into things, and they've, they've decided that we're not going to really talk about the negativity of sin or the even negativity that's related to repentance. 
I had an argument with a guy about repentance one time. He's a Baptist, so he said. And he tried to beat me down about repentance. Well, the book of John doesn't have the word repent in it. Well, the book of Revelation says, which was written by John, by the way, that we are to be overcomers. You can't be an overcomer if you're still living as an undergoer. I made that up. You can't. You're stuck in that rut of thinking, I can live in sin. John talked very seriously in, in the first, you know, I'm not, I'm not spouting scripture like I usually do because I'm just off the cuff with you today. But the, the, the first book of John, the first, you know, John, how do I say it? One John, okay, the one that's not the gospel of John, the first book of John, John 1. He speaks about living in sin, practicing sin. You can't do it. You, you, you're, you can't, what, what Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And they always like to make mammon. Well, that's money. Yeah, well, it could be. But it doesn't have to be. There, you could do a deep dive on mammon and you find out what that is. It's spiritual mess. But the thing of it is, is you can't just live in this Pollyanna, I can do this thing because I'm under the blood and the blood still covers all my sins, past, present, and future. You know, the thing of it is there is, yes, it may, and it does, but... Don't think about these rewards all the time. Let me talk to you straight at you. God still wants you to be doing his work, to be doing what he wills you to do. He doesn't will you to live in a life of sin. He doesn't will you so that to go and do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. That's the devil's yell. There's a guy by the name of Aliester Crowley who is one of the most evil people to walk this planet. He's been dead for, you know, 80 years or whatever. But the man had, he, he came up with a backwards Ten Commandments, and the, and the main one of them was, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Not do what God wants, not do God's will, but to do your will. And you can't mix the two together. You can't say, well, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go getting drunk. Let's use that. I guess that's a good enough. Or, you know, there's a lot of things. I, I, I was using eating. You can't just overeat like a pig all that you want and not have to pay a price for it. Diabetes. Loss of limbs, perhaps inability to do the things that you used to do, heart disease. Now, did God lay all those on you? No, you did it yourself because you did what you wanted. You can't just pick a sin, shove it to the back, and say, it's okay if I do that because I'm under the blood. And that's just not good. You know, I'm not one of those that teaches perfection, what do you call that? Sinless perfection. I know I'm going to sin. Do I do it willfully or do I do it because I let my little human nature crawl up there and get away with something? The thing of it is, is you don't always get away with it, do you? Because you feel that pang in your heart in your soul, in your being. You feel that little stab that's like, ow, man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? If you don't feel that, you've got a problem. And that's when you get back with God and go to Psalm 51 and read what David said. Please, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. And there's people who say, oh, you can't, that can't happen. The more you shove him over to the side and say, look, I got this. I got this. I got it covered. I can handle it. 
The more you do that, the less he's going to convict you. Or when he tries to convict you, the less you're going to feel it because you've already decided this is okay for me to do. This is my thing, and you're not taking it away from me. I like being angry. I'm just using it. Put that in quotes. That's just a a statement. I don't like being angry uh, unless it's angry with the Lord's permission. Let me tell you, but there's people who say, I like to be angry. I like to be impatient. I like doing my own thing. I like, you know, not having to really abide by this set of things. And uh, I'll I'll go by this. Galatians 5. is a good place to kind of get a feel for what I'm talking about. Because it gives you both sides of the spectrum, not just one. You know, we're, we're, we're a, we're a, we're a people. We're a, we're a a race of people. Oh God, what am I saying? We're, we, we are a, uh, yeah, we are a race. We're of humans. We're 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 species. There's the word I was looking for. We're a species that loves to use that terminology. Well, you only heard one side. You didn't hear, you know, the, my side. You only heard so and so side. Galatians five. We'll start in verse sixteen. And just discuss this a bit. Galatians 5, 16. This, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. First of all, don't get this thing in your head. Oh, it's lust, it's sex. It's not. That's not what that means. You can lust after all kinds of things. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you may, uh, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Oh, really? So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which means they're made known. I'm bringing them to your attention so that you can't say, I didn't know that. And these are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, simulation. I'm sorry, is that uh, emulations, emulations. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, who are they? Anybody? Is that anybody? Or is it just the ones that are outside of Christ, those that don't believe in Jesus and do these things? What about the ones that are in the church that do the same things? The ones that claim to know the, the, the true and living God who, who believe in the Savior Jesus Christ as the one who brought them out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Do they get to do these things then? Because they're under the blood. They get to inherit the kingdom of God because, oh, well, you know, I said a prayer once. I ask the Lord into my heart so I can go ahead, I guess. Now, l- listen to me. Those of you, maybe you turned, tuned us in and ran it up to a certain point, and you only missed, you missed the first 49 minutes of me ranting, and now you're into the point where, oh, he's saying it's okay for me. No, I'm not. I'm saying it is absolutely not okay to be involved in anything between Galatians 5.19 and 5.21. All those things are bad. All those things are things that we should not 
be involved in. We should not uphold. We should not say it's okay. Witchcraft is in there. And, you know, witchcraft often is equated to drug addiction or drug usage. And right there it is. If you look at it, it's uh, the Greek in Strong's Concordance, G5331 Pharmakeia. Where do we get that word pharmacy or pharmacist from? Now, God does not say, and I, I, I have been known to take a painkiller once in a while. I'll just be straight up with you. But I don't take it because I want to. I take it because I hurt. Well, you should turn to Jesus. Okay, you got me. Huh. Whatever. But I'm not taking it so that I can change the the status of my mind and, and sit in a yoga position or do the morning up dog or whatever so that I can and broaden my ways. I actually hate the things because they messed with my brain too bad. So it's not a very often time that it happens. I will take an Aleve or an aspirin or whatever else is out there before you go to the, the big stuff, you know. But anybody that's had sciatic pain from their back injuries, they know what I'm talking about. I had one lady said she'd rather go through labor again than have that. Those are the fruits of the flesh. Or actually, I'm sorry, the works. The works of the flesh are those horrific things that we just read off. Most things that people don't really do, but you got to watch the spiritual aspect. Oh, that gets me in more trouble with the non-spiritual types out there. But Jesus was very plain. What is adultery? But that which if you look upon a woman and lust after her body, you've already committed adultery in your heart or murder. Hatred, that's an easy one. There's a lot of people that probably hate someone I don't I have people that I really just don't want to be around I pray for them I have a little book I write people's names in so that I can remember who it is that needs specific things I don't write those specific things in there in case I lose the book but I know what they are the Lord brings them to your heart and your mind when you need them Boy, we went way off, didn't we? <laughs> Started off just with a note that said the football players knelt to pray. But, you know, does God hear the prayer? He hears the prayer of the repentant. He hears the prayer of those who are seeking him for salvation. Uh, but a sinner just throwing prayers in the air for the, for the good of throwing a prayer up and then going right back to his old sin, I don't know that God really hears it. And I can back that up. I'm not going to do it today. I'll let you look that one up. It's in the Psalms at about 68, 14. It might be 64, 18. I've got dyslexia in my brain. Anyway, let's go on a little bit and show you some positive things before I cut this thing off. Because in this same chapter, we, you know, Paul outlines from 5, 9, well, actually from 518, we'll say, but if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And he says to walk after the Spirit because this flesh and the Spirit are lusting and fighting after each other. And you won't inherit the kingdom of God. That is a scary. See, uh, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that something that should shake you to your core if you're engaged in the sins above? Galatians 5.22 is, is the one that most preachers like to hang on because this is where the good stuff is. Do they follow it? Do I even follow it? I'm, I, that's up to God to decide. I try. But it's very hard in this world we live in to stick to these nine little tenets. The fruit of the Spirit is. Notice, I've said it before, I've done a teaching on this more than once. Fruit, not fruits. You don't get to pick a peach 
or a pear or an apple or an orange, you got to carry them all. This is the fruit. These is, this is a, this is a big, gigantic, tasty fruit, which is the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affection, with the affections and lusts. They have crucified the flesh. How often do we do that? That's called for you to do more than once through Scripture, and people will say, well, once is enough. <laughs> I crucify this flesh daily, as I believe Paul said. Jesus said the same thing. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. I meant, you know, there's something about this fleshly life, this this uh, old man spirit that keeps cropping up and, and bringing, you know, a, 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 a spirit to gossip or a spirit to anger, a spirit that, that robs you of joy and happiness. The spirit of your eyes bleep, going right to the certain parts of that girl's anatomy. And your mind's starting to crank out crazy ideas. You know that it's hard. But all we can do is keep asking Jesus to help us repent, help us, help us to be more like him, help us to follow him closer and closer day after day, day after day. And it always comes back to this with me these days is we have to figure out that there's this thing called prayer, which is an open open line between us and God that he never hangs up. He never gives up. He's always there waiting to hear from you. But are we willing to love him? I think sometimes we're just so caught up in ourselves that we don't understand it. Some just see someone down on their knees Talking to the Lost on a breeze. You want to know what? Some just see tears Take a look at the uh, fall into the floor. The crowd on your Sunday morning. Just a waste of time. And then compare it to Sunday Not night. And then compare it to Wednesday. If your church even does those last two. Ah, I made it here on Sunday. I don't need another one. There is somebody praying that that would change. I guarantee it. Tom Richardson is going to sign off now. Said enough. Dug enough holes. This is the 11th hour, it's called. These people are singing power and prayer. Till next time, I'm saying goodbye.
such a direct line to the throne room.